Good morning, everyone. My name is Ashish Parikh. I'm here from Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, welcome to another episode of Love Talks, joined by my lovely co-host, Estera, from uh, England. Hello. And today we have two guests with us. We have uh, Eric Chasen from the greater Boston area, and we have Sabine Varghese from Chennai, India. So we look forward to uh, a great discussion, and I hope everyone listening will enjoy our our podcast today. And now I'd like to turn it over to my co-host, Dr. Estera. Well, thank you very much, Ashish and uh, Eric and Sabine. Welcome. It's very good to have you both here today. As this podcast is all about relationships and dating and marriages, uh, the today's episode is also about marriage in a way, um, because we will be discussing divorce. To divorce or not to divorce? That's quite an important question for many people, men and women alike, who at some point come to the realization that their marriage is maybe not necessarily working anymore and whatever they have tried to fix it wasn't working either. Definitely a divorce or even a breakup of a long-term relationship, that's nothing that we are uh, looking forward to when we start the relationship, and that's probably nothing that uh, we really want, uh, even when we start seeing that our relationship is having some um, challenges or difficulties, because at the beginning you try to fix them. I've uh, invited you two today because you're both uh, divorced. And uh, well, while Eric, you have a child as well, uh, Sidim uh, doesn't have children. But uh, nevertheless, the whole idea of uh, getting divorced, that's uh, something that doesn't come uh, as a light decision. And uh, then, of course, if uh, children are involved, there are also custody issues to be taken into account, also co-parenting with um, the ex-spouse. So it's quite a difficult topic, but today we want to debunk some myths about divorce, about divorced people as well, and bring more awareness to this topic so everyone who is in this situation that they are considering getting divorced could listen to uh, those who have experienced that and will definitely have something to share about divorce and marriage that is ending up not in a way that anyone expected uh, at the beginning, for example, during the day when you are getting married, right? My first question to you both would be, what can you do when you start seeing that uh, your marriage is actually not working uh, very well or, or not working as good as it used to work? At the beginning, how can you get it fixed? What were the uh, things that you've done to fix your marriage? Estera, thank you. Uh, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not uh, an expert on marriage. Uh, maybe I'm closer to an expert on divorce because I've, I've, <laughs> I've actually been married twice and divorced twice. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Completely different circumstances, which is interesting. Although <clears throat> the one commonality is I'm still quite friendly with both of my exes. That, that's about the... Um, where the similarities end. So my first marriage was about five years and um, no children. And um, I kind of married a, f- a friend. So we had difficulties, um, at least from a lot from my perspective, because there was never really the passion that, that was mm-hmm. in the initial, uh, very initial phase. So that ebbed away. And we had a, bun- we had a great bond from a friendship standpoint, but not a particularly... Um, passionate bond from, uh, from a relationship standpoint. So that became a, um, a prevailing um, issue in my first marriage. 
in my second marriage, which I think is the reason, you know, I, I just wanted, I think it was fair to just um, interject that, that I've been married twice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think the second marriage with my son, um, who's now um, 17, relevant in that um, completely different relationship. There was a lot of passion there. Um, and um, we did not date that long. We got married very quickly, where, where I had dated a long time before. We're married five years. We were older. You know, we got married and had a, I mean, had a baby and got married and uh, bought a house and everything very, very quickly. But it was never right. Uh, it was great from a passion standpoint, but not so great from a um, fundamental relationship standpoint. That sort of sets the stage for my, I think, back to my original point, so I still stay in contact through social media with my first wife. She went on to have a, a family of her own, and she has two grown boys now and live happily ever after in, in her second marriage. In mine, we um, didn't stay married very long, but we have been, what I would say, pretty successful raising a, a child and co-parenting um, in two different homes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so from what you're saying, it sounds that uh, your first marriage was a bit like a marriage of convenience, so to say. We dated a long time and it was like, okay, you know, mm -hmm. we, we dated for five years and we either got to uh, get married or, and it probably, um, probably was an error in getting married, I guess, but... Um, you wanted to do the things right, I guess. That's, I guess. That's probably know? the right... So, like uh, I said, I, I sort of felt like I married my fr a best friend, you know mm. what I mean? Yeah, I know. I've, I've actually uh, had a discussion last week with someone else who is not here on this podcast, but that was also one of the things that they've mentioned, that there wasn't that much passion, and then there wasn't that much sex either in their relationship, and that started to be a problem. But um, yeah, when I, when I thought, uh, when you were talking about your first marriage, I thought that it's... Um, in some way, it reminded me of those arranged marriages in India. And, uh, well, I mean, I don't know, Sidin, whether your was arranged or not, or whether you had a love marriage, but... It was arranged. Uh, it was arranged. So was it, was it also a problem in your marriage, Ben? Oh. Um, see, uh, like, we, like we spoke in, the, in, in, in mm. one of the earlier discussions, um, it was never about that. It was more about the toxicity that came oh, in okay. and that, you know, at least like, okay, here's the thing. Mm. I mean, I did meet her. I did have conversations with her for a few, few months and so on and so forth, even before getting married to her. See, uh, there's a saying in, in, in India, or at least my mother keeps saying that, is that without cutting open a jackfruit, okay, you don't mm. know whether the, the fruit is going to be sweet or it's going to be raw. Yeah, yeah we right. have a saying in Poland uh, that, uh, well, if you don't know what you are going into, you're buying a cat in a, in a bag. <laughs> yeah. You actually so, don't know what you're buying. <laughs> exactly. So um, that was the thing. And I always say that, okay, um, knowing someone is one thing and living with someone is a different thing altogether, mm -hmm. right? And that's where um, the, 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 the challenges and the issues started. And a lot of things, a um, few of the manipulations in terms of, um, getting certain things done and there was a lot of convenience factor being looked upon um, which is something relatively at that point of time not affordable and yet I was being pushed and there were certain objectives that my partner had which was not realistic at that particular juncture so that kind of piled up and then yeah and to achieve those or to get those kind of conveniences and and to get those kind of um, luxuries or whatever um, there were a lot of manipulations and toxicity that kept happening in the background, which I came to realize only towards the end. I didn't involve my family, but her family was involved right from the beginning. There was a lot of pressure coming in from their side as well and, and trying to let me know that, okay, you know what, oh, she's just immature. 
um, just give it a, you know, let it go. And then we are there to support you. We are there to protect you and this and that. And when uh, I had that discussion with my family, their family was called upon. When we tried to have that discussion, they took the blame for it. But when the divorce started happening or when the separation started happening, when the level was reached, it was as if I was to blame for everything. And I'm like, here we go. <laughs> right. So that's that was the actual eye opener. I mean, um, even when she left the house initially, I called her. I asked her, you don't have to go. We can work this out. Even till the very last moment. At that particular when, when she left and, and, and she was away for almost two weeks, um, I just realized that you know what, maybe it's, it's, it's for the better, right? I am putting in so many efforts and I'm trying to bring her back and, and so on and so forth, but she's not willing to. Let's see how this ship sails and, and, and let's see where this goes to. Over a period of three years, I've just learned that I think that decision that I took to let the ship sail and see how, the, how, the, how it goes um, was the right one. I mean, though it was a long uh, separation mm-hmm. and, and legalities and a lot of a law enforcement issues yeah, that's, and so on uh, and so that's something that we will talk a bit later also yeah. about like the technicalities of divorce yeah and... so um I, I just said you know what it's it's worth it and for the last six months um that i've been at home um i was just reliving all those and trying to get rid of all that negativity and all that toxicity that was there I wanted to ask both of you because, um, yeah, I understand that that was a, a very difficult process to get to that realization that you actually need to divorce because it, your marriage is not uh, really working out. But I guess there were some things that you tried to do to save your marriage, right? In both cases, we uh, tried, you know, the marriage counseling route, mm-hmm. with, uh, marriage therapy and um both uh, individual and in um, group. There was more at stake, if you will, um, in, my, um, in my second marriage because of our child together. And yeah, we, exactly. we tr- we tr- although we weren't actually married for a long time, um, we did even, even post-divorce, which is interesting and perhaps not even unusual, post-divorce, we continued to try, even dated as, ex- as ex-husband oh. and wife for, for a number of years after. That's and still actually quite same. unusual. It is unusual? Oh, maybe it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we traveled as a family and all that stuff. We, so we tried, even though we lived in separate homes. And, you know, I used to kid around and say, I love uh, Joni, but I can't live under the same roof with her. And um, anyways, after, after a short marriage, um, you know, raising a child in independent homes for most of his life, and then attempting to make it work again, um, even post-divorce, we did a lot of pre-marriage counseling because it was already troubles before we got married. We did marriage counseling and I'm not sure we did post-marriage counseling, but after a number of years of trying, we then sort of decided that it wasn't going to work, but you know, we did most of the traditional things. I think uh, not to jump ahead at all, but I think it's the um, it's really the respect and the calm, the calm um, interactions or with a particularly um, with a child around, I'm talking about that right now because I mean I can think back to a child myself uh, being a child myself. I can certainly um, equate this to to our son, and you know what? It's not often that we argue in front of him, and of course he's getting older now. He's almost 18, but children don't like seeing their parent whether whether they're together in this under the same roof or whether they're apart. Children have a, understandably, a, at least um, I did and my son, um, a very low tolerance for seeing your parents at odds. So you can imagine how that can be 
it's really difficult whether a couple stays together or whether a couple splits up. The length and the intensity of the conflict is, is the problem. So I'm, I'm happy to say for the most part, through the years of raising our son, we've been able to manage that. Not to say we didn't have it, but most of the time it was not in his presence. I can think of a couple of times in, in you know, 17 years or 15 years that we were split up that we had, you know, but most of the time it was not in his presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not easy to do, by the way, because in most of what you argue about, I found is, is about the child, you know, differences. Um, Cause if you're split up, right, you're not arguing about who's taking out the trash or any other details, intimate or otherwise. It's about, it's basically financial and care of the child, yeah. right? Including financial, I guess. So yeah, exactly. Okay. That becomes the number one topic. That does. Yeah. I think like whenever you have kids in the picture, I think the priority changes to focus on the kids instead of each other. But you also don't want to be in a place where if you and your partner are fighting and bickering all the time, and like you said, you can't live under the same roof, then it's going to be hard for the kids. And then they might feel like, oh, it's their fault that the divorce happened, which you never want to happen. That's for sure. Um, Well said, Ashish. How did you, Sabine, try to save your marriage? Well, there are a lot of things that, that I try to do, um, be it from asking her to come for counseling, but she never agreed, and uh, try to get my friends involved, uh, someone she would be comfortable with. She was spiritual, so um, there was a person I knew at work who was also equally spiritual and, and seen a lot in life, so try to um, arrange a conversation between the two of them, but, but she never agreed. And trying to uh, get her engaged into a lot of things that she would love to do to distract her mind and and try to see if that you know she can bring in the happiness out uh, in herself rather than like being bitter all the time try to encourage her hobbies to 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 get have her engaged because at times an idle mind can be an issue Um, gave the option for her that okay it is up to her whether she wants to work or doesn't want to work i can still manage initially she wanted to so she was supporting and then she said she doesn't want to i was like okay fair enough um, do your thing and, and I don't have a problem if you want to do something from home let me know she was a good painter she was a good singer as well so I spoke to a friend of mine who used to do all these hill songs recording and everything so I had a recording studio try to um, engage her in that but she never bothered to even go in and, and, and check you know try to bring in canvases and everything so that she can paint but she would do one or two and then leave the rest over there I said, I can, I can get this on auction as well. I can try to see if you're, if you're ready to do at least 15 to 20 of these. And then from a personal standpoint, did try to uh, go down on the knees literally and ask her, okay, what are the things that you want me to do um, that we can probably help, that, that can probably help fix it. But it was never a clear thing that, okay, what she actually wanted, or it was always um, as if like she never wanted it to work, a kind of a message that I was getting. That's when like, you know, after five and a half or six years or something, I just decided, you know what, this is not going to work. So basically what you are both saying is that you've actually tried different things on different levels. It's not that uh, people just make the decision about getting divorced quickly when something doesn't yeah. work. But as Eric said, uh, he tried counseling with, uh, with his wife and uh, that eventually didn't really work out as, uh, as it should. Uh, you also tried uh, spirituality. That's something that many people also try to do to uh, contact a priest or other spiritual 
uh, leader, uh, especially when, if they are um, believers, right? Uh, I've heard uh, from my friends um, also that that was something that they tried uh, before their divorce. And you also, Sibin, your story shows that uh, so tried actually other things. And it's not yeah. only about counseling, not only about looking for some spiritual guidance, but uh, you were trying to accommodate your wife in very different ways. And uh, that never really had the, the response that you were uh, probably expecting. So I guess uh, getting to that uh, point when you know that divorce is the only option is uh, not easy. But um, what are all those signs that tell you at that particular moment that divorce is actually the best option? Because there are different uh, things uh, that are usually mentioned. Like, for example, uh, some couples uh, say that they argue over the same thing again and again. Other couples, uh, on the other hand, they don't argue anymore because no one cares anymore, right? So there is no arguments. So what, what were the signs in your marriage that it was actually getting to its end? Oh, well, the moment she said that I'm cheating on her, so that was the, <laughs> that was it. I mean, like, and, 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 and worst is, um, the person who actually um, she, she, she claimed that I was cheating on with was the one who was uh, wanting to actually fix my marriage. Mm-hmm. I bored in and it was one of the Indian festival called as Onam. It's a harvest festival and uh, I had invited my friend over and a couple of days later uh, onwards, um, you know, she, she just started um, saying that you're cheating on me with her and this and that. And mm. so that's the end uh, where I saw okay, um, I, I, I think, you know what, it's, it's just not going to work. And, and, and she's just trying to find an excuse um, mm. to put things on me rather than accepting the fault that she has. Uh, which is like she she just doesn't want to accommodate. I mean, um, I wanted a family. Okay, she was not ready to start a family, or rather, she wanted to have a family, but she wasn't going to go through one of you know certain medical uh, things, mm. like say for example prenatal care, that. yeah, prenatal care or things like that. Then I said, okay, you know, how about uh, we going in for an adoption? I convinced my parents. My father initially was not too keen on it, but then he said that okay, if it gives you happiness, might as well you know go ahead. And that turned back on me and, and not only from her, I was attacked by her parents as well. Who do you think you are mm-hmm. to say that my daughter mm-hmm. come bear a child for you? I'm like, hey, 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 I didn't say that. So we have three options. We both go for um, counseling for prenatal mm-hmm. and uh, any sort of medical checkups that is required. Um, not only her, me included as well. I'm not taking my, you know, putting my hands up and saying that I'm fine or anything. I can have issues as well. Mm-hmm. So let's both go. Let's get tested. I don't have a problem with that. Second thing, okay, if you're not willing to go through the, the procedures or whatever, then, then let's go ahead and adopt a child. I did that. But thankfully, at the end, um, though I missed that opportunity, but I'm, I'm happy that, okay, a child did not have to go through that. You were basically pretty much arguing over everything. Yeah. Hmm. Also, I think, like, if trust is eroded, no matter how much counseling you do, you know, you can have counseling, like, through, you know, a religious organization or a non-religious organization, but I think like if that foundation is gone, then it doesn't matter. But or you have external influences affecting your marriage mm. that can also just make it harder to reconcile. Mm. It's a pretty important thing. Trust actually, it's trust is a foundation of every relationship, not only a romantic one, but even friendship. So it's really difficult if trust is not there. But um, what about you, Eric? What were those signs that uh, really like gave you the 
certainty that uh, your marriage is over and it's time to divorce. Yeah. I guess it's a shorter list of what we what, we, mm. what was what wasn't an issue. So there wasn't interestingly there wasn't any trust or any uh, mm. issues like that. So there, it was never any of that, which is which is good, or any kind of. Um, you know, listening to Sabine, there wasn't any jealousy or, or trust issues at all in either, in either direction. So that, that was a strong point. It was more of a, um, I think, a clash in uh, operating styles, for lack of a better way to say it. I want to say it or articulate it in a way that I'm not being judgmental, mm. even though it's kind of hard not to be because there's only, I'm, I'm, I'm the only one giving the testimonial. So, yeah. <laughs> so it, it's going to sound like I'm being judgmental, but um, I, I think first I'll sum it up in it's kind of a, a lack of um, tolerance and a lack of acceptance in the different operating styles basically is what mm -hmm. it came down to. Much like you um, asked the question, it sounded like with Sabine too, it got to the point that we were sort of arguing about everything and it, and it um, ended up being a real stressful situation where it was constantly stressful. Um, I was had um, just been part of a startup company, which was very demanding. And Joni at the time was home raising a, a small, you know, an infant um, toddler. And, and then so we had this clash in, in communicating styles and, and personality clashes. And it was very hard to overcome, you know, without without the tolerance and the acceptance and the compromise and things like that. So it was more of the um, fundamentals of communication and fundamentals of um, relations. And then even with a lot of passion between us, that, that erodes when you're not getting along, right? So then there's another issue of the intimacy or the sex is um, without, the, um, without getting along. There's not, you know, that. So then it just begins to, you know, erode, even though that was a strong element of our relationship when we were getting along. Um, it became, uh, it surfaced as an issue, right? Because then mm. if you're not getting along, then... Exactly. Uh, Sex is not going to fix anything in the end because it's just not enough for a relationship. I guess in summary, to answer your question, it ultimately came down to the stress of being together was feeling um, insurmountable. So, mm. you know, the decision was made that one of us had to, you know, one of us sort of had to leave for peace of mind. Oh, and um, I would add that we, I did experimental, um, you know, leaving for a week, leaving for two mm. weeks, leaving for a month, and then leaving for good. <laughs> and, and how did that go? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it was a short-term fix. It was like a Band-Aid uh, band fix, but never sustainable. Yeah, exactly. Because when you are not uh, physically together, then, um, well, you don't interact that often, right? There are no... Uh, reasons to actually argue probably or quite a lot of those reasons are gone so yeah it's, if you separate physically for a week for a month then things may look like they are actually getting better but in the end when you are back together it's all the same things the right. same thing is going on mm -hmm. so from what you are both saying in your cases um, the end of the marriage was pretty much marked by lots of arguments and arguing all the time over the same things or different things. But I must say that uh, what I've also heard from my friends and what was 
my experience in my um, long-term relationships well I've never been married and divorced formally but um, in my long-term relationship it was actually the other way around there was more arguing at some point before the breakup like half a year a year but then just before the breakup and the realization that the relationship wasn't actually going to progress any farther uh, that was more about having no arguments not really wasting the energy on um, on arguing over different things everyone was uh, doing their own stuff uh, we had different friends different uh, circles um, different networks so in the end of the day in my case at least and from what i heard from some other friends of mine it was more about living with a flatmate because all the intimacy on different levels was also pretty much gone by that time so I guess there are different ways uh, to actually spot that your relationship is not going to manage for any any longer. And they can be different. So I guess that pretty much depends on the particular case. But um, what to do when you are already at this point that you know that you are going to divorce? Um, because um, that's something that is quite difficult to handle emotionally uh, even what research says uh, divorce is um, such a major life event like a death of our parent or a child or someone close to us so it seems that it's a very very stressful situation what was uh, the way that you tried to look for for support or the, how did you manage to cope with that experience of divorce when you were already divorcing or, or just uh, before that when you knew that the divorce is the next step? So I was fortunate enough to be able to stay with my brother, sister-in-law and their family, which was still close enough to be able to see my son regularly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it got to the point that uh, something I didn't mention earlier, but maybe worth mentioning now is, is that, you know, relationships, some people say they take work, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I can't disagree with that, that relationships take work. But I think there has to be a point. I think the point is, is when it feels like it's more work than... Exactly. You know, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's a, there's a, there's a mm -hmm. crossover point when it's more work than than um, joy or more work than partnership or more work than uh, and then that that's a really good sign so and, and ours got to the point that it was just uh, even beyond that that it was very very stressful being under the same roof I left and it had already been leaving for short increments like I mentioned a little bit earlier you know a week here a couple of weeks there um, and then ultimately I went and I did have the support of, as I said, a sibling um, and um, uh, both a sister and a, you know, my brother's wife, a sister-in-law was able to stay with them and it was peaceful and had their support and their, um, and their guidance. Mm. What about you, Sibling? I didn't have much, um, mm. at least from, from my family though, initially. My mom was the only one who supported, but the others never did. And then there were um, a couple of my family members who were who said you know what it's it's it, let it let it go it's okay you know they were there but it was not when i actually needed it it was more of a, a solo ride for me all, all throughout um yes that that um there was a friend who was trying to help me uh, fix the marriage but eventually um, her name was getting dragged as well so 
though she did try to lend a hand and, and try to support me. But at the same time, I had to be cognizant of the fact that, okay, it shouldn't have ramifications for, for her in the future um, because she was married and, and, and uh, unnecessary, um, you know, her marriage life, which she had just recently started, um, should not get impacted. My mom, I mean, I, I was physically distant because my mom lives about 2,000 kilometers from, um, from where I live. But, and, and my entire family is in a whole different city. So um, I was by myself most of the time. But then there were a couple of friends who did uh, try. But then I'm the kind of guy who tries to uh, handle my thing by myself. Yes, um, sometimes you need that. And that is my biggest uh, advice to people that never, never try to run, walk this road alone. Um, you always need support and you always need that. So one of the things that I did was I engaged myself into my work. And um, that drove me and, and kept me focused uh, to a large extent. But then as things were getting a little too violent and for lack of a better word, toxic may not be the right word. But again, I mean, it was just getting too much. At that particular juncture, I, I really needed someone. And there were a couple of guys who, who did support me and who did lend me a hand. And thankfully, one of my friends had just um, traveled from uh, Australia and he was that little uh, guardian angel uh, for a period of time. And then after that, Rinal, um, you know, stepped in and, and he was supportive um, to a large extent. So it was towards the last a year or so when my divorce was actually progressing. Um, that was the actual time when I, I, when I really got the support. But prior to that, it was just me um, trying, to, um, trying to overcome it. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's difficult, especially when you don't really have any support in terms of your closest family. Eric was quite uh, blessed, that's true, that not everyone always have uh, their closest people where they are physically. That's one of the things. And then I guess for men, it's probably also much harder to ask for help. So it's much harder to realize that you have to ask someone to help you. Was it in your case like that? Yeah, for um, me, at least, um, yeah, because my, my pride took over me. Um, like you said, yeah, being a, being a man, um, it, it is the thing that, okay, you don't tend to generally go and ask for help. But yeah, um, the pride did take over me. And um, I thought that, okay, I can fight this battle on my own and try to come out of it. That, like I said, I mean, it's my biggest advice. Don't do that. Mm. Don't do that. It, it breaks you. It completely breaks you. I mean, I, I tried different things. I engaged myself in work tried going for long drives, just making an excuse to get out of the city, um, hit the bar a couple of times, which was stupid. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, those, those kind of stuff. So no, it, it is not the right thing to do. What about you, Eric? How was it for you to ask for help? I similarly to um, Sabine, I, um, you know, hit the bar at the time too, and, you know, uh, got together with friends and that kind of social uh, capacity. But again, as we touched on, was fortunate to have a real stable, supportive, safe zone, if you will, of my uh, brother and sister-in-law's home uh, in there. And uh, also, like Sabine, I was uh, quite uh, occupied with work at the time, which was a, which, um, especially in retrospect, is a great distraction. Mm -hmm. um, also had professional help in terms of a therapist, and so it's. As you uh, mentioned earlier, Stara, when you sort of compared it to, you know, it's, it's, it's a loss. 
it's different than a, a death, but it's also can lack the closure of a death. It can be challenging in a different way than a permanent loss, if you will. You know, a death is um, is certainly much more permanent, but all, there's also a certain amount of um, or you know absolute closure in a death. Yeah, that's so how true. we're able to manage that closure, I mm-hmm. guess. And we do often, regardless of what our beliefs are, we typically have some kind of ceremonial thing to help with that process and, and other things as well. But um, a loss of a relationship is a, or the death of a relationship, if you will, is a loss that, you know, took, took me a long time with, uh, to really have closure. In, in a sense, when you have a child, or really, as much as you might want closure, <laughs> in a lot of respects, you know, it's a... It's, involved it, it, with that person. Yeah, yeah, so it's 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 a closure of one uh, or or some dynamics of the relationship, right? And it's delayed closure for many years, uh, if any closure on on the rest of the relationship, because you are always mm. connected with that person. So it's been I've been fortunate to to say that from a family standpoint, me getting along with my ex mother in law or my father in law before he passed, I was always very close with them. We were able to bridge that gap from a family with the grandchild and the you know niece and the you know all that kind of thing and his cousins and um, everybody stayed very close even though we were split. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And um, as you've mentioned, when you have a child, it's much more difficult than when you don't because in the end of the day, if you're divorcing with um, someone and you don't have a child, you don't have any other issues that would be going on beyond uh, the point uh, of your divorce, then it's much easier because you can separate at that point. And that's it, yeah? Everyone goes uh, in their own direction um, and you don't really have to interact with that person. But in your case, Eric, as you've mentioned, you have a child. And I wanted to ask you, how is it to co-parent with someone who used to be uh, the closest person at some point? And then after the divorce, of course, the whole dynamic uh, changes. What would be your tips for men who are in the same situation to somehow make this co-parenting benefiting the child without any arguments or without any manipulations and, and toxicity behind? There's no uh, absolute perfect solution, I found, because the fundamentals, if you, if you were able to get along and able to manage things, chances are you'd still be married. So there's some friction just by the mere definition that you're not together. Uh, but having said yeah, that's that... That's actually very, very interesting what you said, but that's very true because obviously you're getting divorced because you can't get along, right? So. But yet you still have to in the, for the sake of the child. Well, there's some... You know, I'm blessed and grateful every day that I've not had this kind of split, but there's some divorces, we all know these people, um, in, 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 even with children involved, that is very, very contentious and very, very bitter. And where that's more common, maybe early on, depending on the circumstances of the divorce, it usually tends to um, subside as people move on with their lives. But I know people that years go by and it's still not subsided. It's still, they purposely make difficult times for the ex, which in turn makes difficult times for the children. So a critical, critical piece, and this is so much easier said than done, and and it's much more complex than the way I'm going to describe it. You really have to minimize, and again, I'm not perfect at this, but I, I work at it and I have a lot of history or we have a lot of history that it's been smoother smoother waters than choppy waters thank goodness 
you really have to check your ego at the door, so to speak, in the spirit of getting along for the child, even though you disagree on some things. And what do you typically argue about? You know, you, you argue about the child, obviously, and it's around, oftentimes it's, should he or she go to this school or that school? Should they go to sleep at this time or that time when they're younger? Should they have this kind of nutrition or that kind of nutrition? We didn't have a lot of this early on when he was younger, but if you're interjecting other people into their life, like a new, a new partner or a significant other, that's, that can complicate things, which we didn't have a lot of that, but you know, it's happened more as he's gotten older, which is obviously easier. Our son, our son has his first girlfriend now at, at 17, which is a whole other, it's a, that, that, <laughs> that caused some conflict between his mom and I actually, oh. you know, we were able to manage through it. So typically we can have a flare up and because we're distant, I mean, we live across town from each other, you know, it usually cools off. So it's a little bit of an ebb and flow kind of thing. And like I said, I'm grateful every day that most of the time throughout the years is we've been able to co-parent peacefully, although we're not always on the same page. I would argue that parents under the same roof aren't always on the same page. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I, mean, I must say that in my family, my parents never got divorced, but I think personally that they should have done that uh, very early on. But uh, exactly, I have that um, experience from my childhood, that parents under one roof sometimes don't really get along at all in terms of co-parenting. <laughs> we have gotten a lot of great feedback. Sometimes you feel like... Um, it's an uphill climb, uh, both managing your own life and your co-parenting life and your child's life and all that kind of stuff, you know, helping with that. But it really feels good. We get a lot of, you know, just seeing your child as a good uh, teenager and a good um, person and, and, and getting feedback that, hey, you guys did a great job with him in this case is reassuring that we did okay. So it, it's rarely easy and every stage, it's always something challenging. It's great what, what you've uh, just said, that um, pretty much in the end, you can see whether your child had a happy childhood, had a happy time with well, the divorced parents, because that's something which is visible in the end, the, right? The, the raw material turns into yeah. something, and you send that, that product, if you will. Mm. I'm no, grateful every day for it. <laughs> that, it's that very, very okay. good that that was uh, the outcome in your case, because it's always in that kind of cases when children are involved, whatever parents do, whether they are together or not, it should be for the benefit of the child. But as you also mentioned, lots of uh, people actually try to make their life even more harder after the divorce and children are used as tools uh, to do so. So that's very unfortunate. And well, let's face it, that's actually child abuse because the child is um, involved in the whole situation and often the child as such is manipulated as well by either by one parent or even by both. That's definitely something that shouldn't be uh, taking place. The last thing that I wanted to ask you both is about some tips on the practicalities of the divorce, because while you, Eric, you are in the US, Sabine is in India, and uh, of course, these are different countries, so probably different, um, different proceedings and uh, different things that you have to think about. But if you could um, mention the most important things about uh, the technicalities of the divorce, because lots of people who are in that situation that they would be getting a divorce, they may not think about this or that. And then in the end, uh, it can cause additional problems for them. So what would be those the most important things to know? Well, to start off with, um, 
get a goddamn good lawyer. Uh, that's the <laughs> first. That's the first mistake that I did. Uh, did you didn't have, get the lawyer. No, I mean, um, like I said, I was trying to tackle it myself mm-hmm. and everything, trying to um, fix it at the initial phase. Uh, when I did get the lawyer, it was uh, not the kind of lawyer that I should have gone with. I mean, it was a friend's recommendation, uh, but uh, the thing was, it didn't work out very well. Then I had to change to a different lawyer, um, though he was a bit more uh, aggressive and everything. But then also, it is emotionally draining and at the same time, financially draining as well. Right. So be prepared for that is what I would say. Um, those court visits that you get, um, at least in India, the way it works is that you keep getting dates. Um, the judge would just go ahead and postpone the case, adjourn the case without even listening to you. Right. Even though you're present or not present or whatever. Just just um, right from the beginning, get a good, good um, lawyer for yourself, someone who can represent represent you strongly and be honest with your lawyer. Um, don't try to um, put a picture where. Um, you're just showing yourself as a, as a good guy or a good girl. Be honest with them. At least in my case, um, I was trying to be as honest as possible. You know, there were times when it went into law enforcement as well. I mean, she tried to uh, charge me for a couple of things. Um, but then when I, when I spoke to the, um, to the cops and everyone, um, they realized that it is made up story. When they were trying to say things about negative things about her, I defended her completely. And I said that, okay, you know what? Hey, you're not supposed to say such things. She's still my wife. I mean, though, yeah, we are walking a path where we might separate eventually, but she's still my wife. Don't don't go about saying such things about her. They were asking if she's seeing another man or something like that. I was like, no, she's not the kind of girl. Um, I don't think so. She may say similar things about me, but I wouldn't say anything about her. You know, a lot of the stories that she's putting in is false. The things in India do get a little complicated. So get yourself a good lawyer. Be prepared for a long battle. Um, if it is not going to be mutual, um, try to settle it as, as early as possible. If you have no kids, it's, it's even easier. But then the thing is, like I said, I made the mistake of dragging it, which I shouldn't have initially. What about you, Eric? What would be your tips for people? Yeah, so, I, you know, I can't, I can't disagree with uh, Sabine's uh, recommendation of uh, having good representation. Uh, that's always good. Um, and and that, having said that, though, to the extent that you can work things out, um, whether it be related to assets, uh, what, 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 else, what is there else to argue about assets, whether you have children or not, and then of course, you know, children are the two things that you would, um, True. and not, you know, in that order. <laughs> but, uh, so to the extent that regardless of your legal representation, to the extent that you can work that out, which we had some disagreements. I mean, I had a business and there was some um, contention for a period of time. And then ultimately, do you want to continue to pay lawyers or do you want to continue or you just want to work it up, compromise and work it out? And, and we did that and uh, we worked it out. And we went actually when we went into court, it was all agreed upon in advance without having to utilize the courts. We basically brought the agreement. It was worked out um, four way, both two lawyers, you know, she and I. And then we went into court with an agreement. And it was essentially stamped, just essentially stamped by the judge. And, and that was it. And uh, we've only had one um, change to it in, in a bunch of years. And um, there's only a number of years left. Um, once the assets, at least in the United States, once the assets are settled, they're settled forever. And then the child custody and support and all that stuff, that that's on relevant until the child reaches a certain age. Yeah, of course. So if something happens, but it's really... Yeah, different, different yeah. income situations exactly. or different... There's a bunch of different factors. And mm-hmm. I do have to say, for the most part, I, I think, I, I'm not sure we could say this in the U.S. years ago, but 
I think um, the court system and, and, you know, maybe I have rose colored glasses on about mm -hmm. this, but I think the court system is pretty fair. I, I think it used to not be so fair with children of all people. It used to be like, you know, the dad would see their children like every other weekend. I never had that kind of split. Mm -hmm. It's something to think about though. You should really, you know, you have to also think about if you're providing for the child either on either side, you know, what that looks like because you have to do after work and there still has to be childcare. And a big factor in this is the age of the children and how many children. So start a very young with a very young child that is so there's child care but again to the extent that you can agree on things and compromise you know otherwise it can really be a very very I mean it's one of those the old sayings that the, the people that the only people that make out really are, are the attorneys because the longer it drags out the more money they're paid and, and you know ultimately it's still going to be solved and do you want to solve it but between you as two parents, or do you want to have the court solve it, making your decisions for you? So that's really what it comes down to. That's a good, very good tip, I would say, and particularly here in the UK. Um, well, I don't have any anything to do with the legal system, but my friend she got divorced a couple of years ago, and uh, that's how I know that here in the UK the courts don't even want to have those arguments in the court. Uh, they require you to actually get a mediator and do the mediation at your own cost before, get the things sorted, for example, custody issues, and then only uh, go to court to get it approved. Different. I would say that's pretty similar here. They're not very happy if they have to intervene. Mm. In other words, if that it's so contentious that you can't come to any agreement or compromise exactly. and, the, and the judge has to intervene, it's usually they're not very happy about that you're letting the courts decide the right, you know, your life, basically, <laughs> you know what I mean, mm -hmm. that you can't get along well enough and to do that. So it's very similar. They prefer that you come into the court very much so with a mm -hmm. mediated agreement. I think just, you know, what both Sabine and Eric have said, you know, it's really great. I obviously know like some friends who have gone through uh, the divorce process and, you know, when they have kids, it is tough. Sometimes I think if the girl's parents don't like the guy, then it makes it harder because then that's that external influence that affects your marriage. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, everyone just needs to put their pride aside because like if you have kids in the picture, focus on the kids. If you and your spouse have a disagreement and you just can't work it out after counseling or anything like that, then uh, just make sure that you focus on the kids and make sure that you show them the love. Um, and you guys try to be as civil as possible. And if you can't, then only thing you can do is like, God help you. But uh, at the end of the day, focus on the kids. That's the main thing. Really well said, Ashish. Thank you. Thank you very much for this uh, very insightful and also interesting uh, discussion today. And I would like to wrap up uh, this topic with uh, something that you, Eric, said uh, at some point of this discussion earlier that uh, the point when you feel that it's more about working on your relationship rather than having fun and life together, that's the point where you should uh, definitely think whether continuing this relationship makes sense, whether it's a marriage or a long-term relationship, because this is exactly where many people get trapped, is um, that notion that you should work on your relationship. And of course, that's very important, and every relationship requires some work, especially at the beginning, because it's two people uh, getting together. Of course, there will be some tensions. They will not be exactly the same in terms of the reasoning, thinking, and uh, also maybe not all values and uh, what they think is important in life. 
But at, at the point where you feel that it's only about working and every day feels like being in some sort of a labor camp instead of enjoying your marriage or your relationship, that's definitely the point when you should start thinking whether it makes um, sense to be in the situation. There is limit to that. So that was a very important thing, Eric, that you mentioned. Thank you very much for being here uh, with us. Yeah.